0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back inside the Shark Tank for another episode of your Sell Sharks podcast. Uh, my name is Lewis. I'm, I'm joined by both my co-hosts today, but Alex is, uh, I think, still feeling a little bit hungover from his exploits over in uh, Belfast on Saturday night. So he's going to join us momentarily, uh, but I am joined by my co-host, James. And, and James, let's let's get straight into it, right? Um, we're here this week to talk about Sell getting dumped out of the... Uh, European Champions Cup having lost their game against Ulster 22 points to 11. Now I think actually with the way the results kind of went over the course of the the week it's a little bit bittersweet because there was a chance for us to have qualified albeit in those lower seeds. But yeah, I mean what was what was your reaction to uh you know to kind of kind of bowing out maybe without really throwing a punch uh in uh, in, in Belfast on Saturday night.
1: Well, first of all, I think the official PR release from Alex is that he's currently stuck in traffic. So that's the kind of the message that should be going out. Uh, I'm, I intend to uh, uh, to agree with you, Lewis. I think he's just a bit rough, to be honest. Set out a bit late. Uh, anyway, um, so what am I feeling about being dumped out? I think we'll get into the game, I'm sure, I'm sure. So let's not get into the specifics on that, but just sort of the general big picture. I think to win your first game in the way that we did and get five points on the table and not get, you know, one more point uh, after that, I think was, was, was disappointing. It's been a disappointing campaign, uh, but not through lack of effort. Uh, I think we can honestly say that the players have turned up in every game. Um, and actually, you know, the, the bigger picture of this is we've been really beaten up in this competition. You know, there's been lots of bumps and bruises. We've left everything we've had in the tank out on the pitch. And I think it would have drained us a little bit. I think we'll be looking forward to getting through the bath game, um, scraping something there and then getting into a bit of a time off. Because I think it's been a bit of a rough time because to to put so much effort in and not and not come out with with much... I think it's really, really difficult. And I think it goes to show, like, we haven't rotated the squad all that much this year uh, unless we've had to through injuries. Um, and ultimately, when you see the very best sides um, who have been successful at this level, Toulouse's, Exeter's, Saracen's obviously from the Premiership side, Leinster's, through the season, there's a lot of rotation either in the league or in the Champions Cup. Um, it brings, you know, competition for places and ultimately, and make sure your best players are at peak condition for the peak games. Now I'm not saying that Alex Anderson's changed the way he's approached this year. I, I don't I don't think he, you know, I think it was the right he over rotated when he first joined. Um you know he's settled on a side we've got good rhythm we got on a run. So this is not a criticism of 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 selection. I think it's just more of an observation that uh you know when you're when you're testing your squad all at once you know, it's difficult to compete at the very highest levels. And some of our players do need a bit of a, bit of a break, don't they? So overall, super disappointing. Um, but, you know, flip side, we can now fully concentrate. We still have the opportunity for, for Silverware in three competitions. <laughs> That's actually not changed since our pod last week. Um, you know, we, we go away from home to Cardiff. Um, we know from our experience down in lethley a few years ago, this is doable, man. This is doable. Um, great trip for the sale fans. And then, you know, we're second, we're still sitting pretty in the Premiership. So, you know, and that is a competition. I think if, especially if we get the win against Bath, you know, we can really then map out the rest of this season and who's going to play and when and, and make sure our, our players are, are fit. Um, so the big picture is still looking good. Disappointing, beaten up campaign. I think we'll learn a lot from it in for future years. Um, but otherwise, we're still looking alright.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you start to look at the team that, that played, or at least started on Saturday night, you know, no Simon McIntyre, who's who's quietly been our first-choice loosehead this year. Um, no Aka van der Merwe. No uh, Nick Schoenert. So there's arguably your first-choice front row not playing. No Cobus Visa, obviously because of the red card. Dan Dupree, still out on the, are, are on the sidelines. So no Tom Curry. So all of a sudden you've you've probably only got what one or two of your first choice pack actually starting and and actually you, you kind of forget that there is a drop off between you know, the, those players. I'm not necessarily saying Bevan Rod is is miles behind Simon McIntyre, but Simon McIntyre has been first choice this year because the form he's in and there is a drop-off there that you that you do see. So I think, like you say, it did feel a little bit like a game too far for us and I think that's reflected in the fact that we scored 11 points and, and lost whilst only conceding 22. I think you are right, though. It's so disappointing to, to have not picked up any points from that first game against Ulster and actually to see... To see us finish tenth, when the team in ninth, the team in eighth, and the team in seventh all only recorded a single win out of the campaign, it is a case of what could have been. Just a, just a single win would have got us into the, the knockout rounds, and actually, even just getting a couple of losing bonus points would have would have put us past Ulster, um, which I think is the the, the very disappointing thing. But. You know, that's unfortunately the nature of this competition when you are going up against the the, the best teams. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say joining us now is Alex. And I, Alex, the, the thing that I really want to talk about in this week's pod, because I don't want to talk about the game too much because it's a bit depressing. How did you find your time in um, Belfast?
2: Yeah, hello, fellas. Bef- uh, very good to be back in uh In the pod and uh, in the UK, although we've kind of stayed in Belfast for ages. What a place. Um, Yeah, absolutely brilliant experience over there. Definitely would like to go and play them again. Um, Kingspan Stadium, brilliant. Standing all the way around the edges creates a really good atmosphere. Um, Only sort of, you know, we walk down from town, but loads of buses and that kind of thing. Um, And Belfast as a city is just... Just great, really lively. Loads of Sharks fans there. I think all the Ulster fans said it was a really good away following. Um, so I hope everyone else who went had a good time. Honestly, the only thing that could have gone better was the result. Everything else was just spectacular. So uh, coming to you having had a very, very good weekend and um, and really enjoyed it, but sort of need to get back into the headspace of if I'd watched that on telly, I'd probably be, uh, probably be fuming. But, you know, it was... It, knew it was going to be a really tough ask and and I I haven't watched the game back yet so I've only got my um you know five Guinness down hazy memories of it but it just felt like a sort of a really stop start game and never really got going and and just no one could quite get any momentum when the first five minutes thought we started really well and then it just kind of descended into a bit of a an error ridden game um but yeah, other than other than the rugby and the result, it what what a place, what a weekend. But yeah, if, if anyone ever gets a chance to go to, to Ulster for a game, massively recommend it. Really nice crowd as well. Um, you know, just really properly good rugby people and um great stadium, really, really good. So yeah, I'm I'm buzzing mate, but I think we probably need to have uh, have a bit of a debrief about the
0: game and bring me back down to earth, really, don't we? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's where we we, we kind of go then, because I mean, James, obviously, from from your perspective, we we talked a little bit about the big picture stuff, um, but yeah, what, what kind of what what went right or wrong for for Sale on on Saturday
1: night? I, I thought we started pretty strongly overall. the First half showing was pretty. Yeah, we we really showed up. Uh, we just didn't get enough points on the board, I think. Um, and then when it came to the second half, we just saw. Like the ulster sort of old, really, that you'd ex- that you expect in European competition at home at Ravenhill, you know, where it's just they were just dominant who just just you know the crowd willing them on, the possession statistics I think were you know massively in their favour, putting lots of pressure on, and I think Sale just managed the game quite poorly at that point of view from that point that side of things, you know, I think you know gone as sixty two
0: thirty eight percent. In favour of all two, possession, okay. yep, and and actually the same on territory as well. So what you are saying bears out in the numbers.
1: Yeah, definitely, I, I, absolutely, and I just think that we were unable to release the pressure on ourselves from a territorial perspective. Um, even with thirty odd percent possession, you, that's enough to turn the game if you are securing the ball really well at the base, which I didn't think we did. Put our scrum off under pressure. And then I think in hindsight, I know Gus was struggling with a bit of, with a bit of injury, but you know, having a rusty returning scrum half trying to manage that mess at the breakdown just didn't go well for us. Um, you know, we're we're the first to be sort of, you know, Rafi fans on, on this pod. And quite rightly, you know, I don't want to point the finger too, too, too much at him. It wasn't like he, he had a complete shock or anything, but you know, he just, he just struggled to find the pace of the game. Um, and his execution was off. Both with his kind of passing off the base and his box kicking was poor. Um, so I I just think we just we brought the pressure back on ourselves, which just led to an, a, a, an ulster momentum, which away you know, at home and the and sale being away from home in a European competitions. Alex said it last week. Winning away from home in Europe is really, really difficult. And traditionally, Ravenhill is a place that you don't get anything out of. Even the very best teams in Europe don't get anything out of Ravenhill. It's just because also have been on such a bad run that we just, and our win at home, we just assumed that we would be able to get over the line here. And actually, I think what you saw was almost like a return to the norm, um, which was a you know really gutsy sale display. We left everything out on the pitch. We definitely, for sure, should be able to go away with his head held high and the, the players should be able to feel that they've done him justice from this performance. So I thought the defence was was pretty solid um and, you know, the effort was definitely there. As I said, we just brought pressure onto ourselves and that's just always going to tell eventually. And, and, you know, the, the amount of defending we had to do on the line, the amount of hold-ups over the line and things like that. And then just when you thought, oh, we've got a turnover or there's a knock-on from Ulster, we can release the pressure, within 30 seconds we're back on the try line. I mean, it was always going to tell eventually. So I wouldn't say it's a complete disaster. I mean, I saw some tweets and things which were talking about, oh, yeah, this is horrific and, you know, we're just awful and all the rest of it. Well, actually, you know, he's just missing a few players We've got our execution wrong at ruck time and managing the base and managing the ball around the park. You know, it, it happens in European competitions away from home. What I would be pointing the finger at is we didn't get enough points on the board in the first half and we didn't get enough losing bonus points out of the those games where we, you know, the red card and things like that. It just went against us a bit in this year's competition. It went for us in the last couple of years. So, you know, these things happen.
0: Does that bear out to your experiences in the stands then, Alex? Because I guess your perspective on it would be that pressure that gets built by Ulster managing territory, managing um, possession, winning the game line, etc. I guess would would add to that sense of atmosphere that you'd have in the stadium where there was an expectation that this team is eventually going to burst the dam. Yeah, definitely. A, I mean, the whole defense. second
2: half, we were stood in the half where none of the action was. If that makes sense. And I like just remember looking to my right the whole half, just looking at us in when we were holding them up over the line. And like you say, that defence was incredible. I mean, you know, the Ulster fans around us were saying, How on earth have you held us out for this long? But it just it always felt there was sort of a a bit of a an expectation that whenever we got out they were coming back at us. And you know, we were getting out and giving them ball back on the halfway on the 10 metre line, but it was straight back up to our half. And and I think, you know, when you're playing in your own half for virtually 40 minutes away from home in a European game where both sides need a win, you never, you're never going to win those games, are you? Um, and yeah, we didn't quite get the, didn't seem to kind of make the most of our backs. It felt like a very, you know, we weren't able to cut them open in attack. And, and that's where the kind of lack of clinical edge in the first half meant that we didn't get any points because we had enough ball, I think, in the first half and and enough position and we were playing well enough and we were matching their intensity. I think in the second half, we just couldn't quite match the intensity at the same level and because we hadn't built the lead and because we didn't have the the kind of strength in depth, I think, in part, but also the attacking you know routes to open them up, which is from their good defence, nothing wrong with our attack, I don't think. Um it just meant we never got going. And, and there was a lot of mistakes from both sides as well. You know, um, a lot of drop balls. It felt like the game was quite stop-start and never really got into a proper flow. But then when it was into a flow, it was Ulster just wave after wave, going to our try line. We were holding them up, goal line drop out, wave and wave after again. So, yeah, it's um, that's definitely what it felt like. I mean, when you look at our squad, um, a few of the uh, coaches were on our playing home yesterday and, and could hear them talking about to, to other fans about um, about the result and saying, you know, you think of the players we were missing, especially up front. We just lacked a bit of that firepower in the second half. And it's a really good point because, you know, we didn't have Cy McIntyre and Nick Shonnet, who probably would have started the game. We didn't have Kavis Bisa. We didn't have Tom Curry. And you lose a hell of a lot of physicality when those four players aren't in the team. And I think that, yeah, we could absolutely put up with that. For the first half, because you know you've still got Bevan Rod and James Harper and Josh Beaumont and Johnny Ross coming in and giving really good physical performances, but then when it gets to the second half, what you would normally have is those players coming on and, and bringing that physical you know level back, whereas you you're then going into kind of right okay let's go one more down so you going to Ross Harrison and Joe Jones and and. These are good players, but they haven't played a lot of rugby. Joe Jones, we haven't seen for a while. So, you know, when you're asking them to kind of put in a massive shift away from home in the top level of rugby that this team is ever going to play in, needing a win with a home crowd in Ulster massively, you know, on top of you, and the game going against you. And as you said, you know, Rafi like kind of we never had that control at half back either once once Rafi had come on. I just think it it became almost a, a foregone conclusion. You could it's one of those feelings and that you sometimes get in games, you just get that sinking feeling of yeah, there is no way we're going to win this. And at home, you feel like you can turn it around, don't you? You feel like if you're in the AJ Bell, you're going, right, come on. You know, we just need to get to the next play, get to the next lineup, whatever. And we can regroup and turn it around. But when you're away from home, it's so hard to do because, you know, just mentally more than anything, I think. Um, so, yeah, it did feel like there was a bit of an inevitability. And I think it's that, that squad depth. You know, if you want to win away from home in Europe, A, you need to be clinical, which we weren't and B, you need to have 90% of your first-team squad available. And we were just missing a big chunk of our forwards, especially. And against that Ulster team, I think you've got players like Dwayne Vermeulen who's kind of bringing that physicality. It was just a real struggle. And I, I think, as you as you alluded to earlier, we left everything out there. We put so much effort into it, and we just weren't quite good enough on the day. And And it's hard to... As you say, James, it's hard to be upset about that because if we put that level of effort in every week and we keep and we our accuracy improves, then we'll do really well. We're second in the bloody league. So, you know, we're clearly a good team. It's I think the reasons for this loss are, are a bit more circumstantial than kind of fundamental issues in the squad.
0: So I, I, I... I mean, there's a lot of really good points made there. And I think realistically, at this point, we we start to look ahead. Um, And the fact that by finishing, uh, where were we, Uh, 10th in the uh, Champions Cup pool B, we do still have a part to play in Europe. We do still have uh, entry into the Challenge Cup. Uh, To factor in for the rest of the season. And whilst I think it's very disappointing, it does feel like the, you know, the, to to what Alex alluded to, the odds were against us a little bit uh, in Belfast on Saturday night. Um, But we do have a chance to make amends with with the Challenge Cup campaign. And I guess this is where I'm quite interested to get your guys' thoughts on this competition. Because actually, there are now a number of significant. European teams that will be dropping down into the competition this year. Let me, let me just reel some of these off for you. Leon, Racing 92, Bordeaux, and Cast, all from Pool A. And then from our, from our pool, Clermont, who finished a point above us, and then Irish and Northampton. It kind of gives everyone a bit of a second life at this. European go-around. But actually you think about who we might play in like a quarterfinal or semi-final, you could still be playing like a Leon or a or a Racine, you know, some of the best teams in Europe. So when I think of it like that, obviously there's two things that come to mind. First, it's really disappointing to be playing in the champion in the Challenge Cup rather than the Champions Cup in, in March and April. But on the other hand, there is still an element of prestige here that, that's really interesting. And I guess James So to put it to you before we move back towards the Premiership, I just want to get your thoughts. How how seriously should we be taking the Challenge Cup as a tournament for the rest of the season? Because actually now we are in theory only what three or four uh, wins away from being in contention for a European trophy against some pretty good teams as well. So where where do you stand on on the Challenge Cup versus maybe prioritising the Premiership for the rest of the year?
1: Well, I think we prioritise the next game against Bath, right? And, and then that, we just have to find a way of stapling our squad back together and getting over the line there with four or five points. Take four points, no problem at all. Why? Because then you can manage yourself through the rest of the premiership season. It's not to say a home semi-final is done. I'm not saying that. But you can target your games in a much more effective way because there is a bit of a buffer there. So I think we should be going all out for the Challenge Cup. Um, and... Maybe other people will disagree with that because it's an opportunity to rotate and, and give youngsters some exposure to high-level cup competition. I can see that point of view, but I think we should be going all out. Why? Because I think if you're a true sale fan, you know the importance of the Challenge Cup has been in our history and how it's often been a precursor to you know performing super, super well in the Premiership. And I think if you just send the team down to Cardiff to get beaten, then I think it sets the tone for the rest of this season. Are we serious about. If you put all your eggs in one basket, that also just increases the pressure massively, massively on every single Premiership game, every single Premiership point. Can you imagine the pressure that we'll be under in like a semi final um, in the Premiership? I think it's quite nice to have, you know, two competitions, even three competitions if we can get over the line in the Premiership Cup, which is in our hands as well. You know, to, to have three cup competitions now—that's the—that's t- the get where I'd be saying right, Premiership Cup, absolutely, we're going to play a second string side and now give youngsters the chance, but still have as much focus within the club because we're a squad, co- squad, uh full squad, and then yeah, all out for the champion, the Challenge Cup. What a great opportunity to to win some silverware this season. And there's some brilliant sides in there as well, as you mentioned, lots of the French teams with their big budgets couldn't squeeze through in what we call the ridiculous qualifying um, scenario in the Champions Cup. A lot of these teams count sure like more losses that I can remember in France. Um, even Irish managed to draw at Montpellier and should have won yesterday. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, my answer is all out. Let's win the Challenge Cup. Be amazing. Where's the final? <laughs>
0: Let me love that. I tell you what. I'll look that up whilst Alex gives his thoughts on on
1: it's
2: how they should be prioritising. Be
0: prioritising
2: because uh, it's nice and easy to get to. Um, yeah, I think I, I I think I agree. I think it's it's a really tough ask, and I, and I definitely agree that putting too much pressure on the Premiership is only going to lead to kind of you know testing us really really tough mentally, and I, I think. Let's be realistic. What's more achievable, winning the Challenge Cup or winning the Premiership? It's probably the Challenge Cup, isn't it? Albeit there's some great teams in there, but I think who's the scariest team in there? Probably Racing. They're way worse than when we played them last year, and we gave them a good go at home. Um, premiership, you've got. You, I, I, it's just hard to look past us beating Saracens. I just can't see that being a, a realistic um, result. Albeit it's a one-off, but we never beat them, so it's really it's really difficult. So, and I think you know the feel-good factor that, like you say, comes from being in European rugby and 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 knockout rugby, and it does test people mentally. And as James says, this has always been the building block, and it's a great building block because you're still playing really good teams, and it it builds that kind of resilience that you need to win premierships and. And be successful in the Champions Cup later down the line. It's, a, I think, it's a really good competition for that. So, I certainly think Cardiff are beatable, and and we should be putting out a, a strong team to go down to Cardiff and win that game. And and then you know, then you into a scenario. Don't forget that the second half of our season, we barely play any rugby. We've got our cancelled games against Worcester and Wasps that um, we won't be playing. We've got natural sort of built in. Five weeks and that kind of thing, you know. After bat- we play Bath and then we're off for two weeks, so this isn't going to be a congested fixture list. Whatever happens, at worst, it's going to be a playing once a week, kind of for a few weeks in a row. But we're not going to be playing every week until the end of the season. Now we know that. Um So on that basis, I think it's it's right to you know if it was a really congested fixture list and you know we were we were playing you know, every week and you're doing Sunday to Friday or something like that quite often, then, yeah, you might think we need to manage the squad here and we need to protect the players. But it's not like that. There's loads of room in the back end of our calendar this year. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely be um, definitely be prioritising it. And as James says, I think it's the Premier Rugby Cup that sort of falls away almost. And, you know, we don't need to be putting out... The first team in that. Anyway, we can put out a, a really strong young squad. We've got a great academy that's developing a lot of talent, and it's perfect opportunity for them. And we've got a lot of squad players who need fitness, and I think you saw that with with this weekend's results coming back to the Ulster game. That you know we've we've got our, our players who are. Not playing regularly and not in the 23 regularly, we need to be managing their fitness. You've got the likes of Joe Jones, Don Barrow, you've got academy kids who come through, like who are playing at Sale FC who can get that experience. So, there's a lot of players around the squad who can still contribute in those Premier Rugby Cup games, and then that might be you know the game they need to get themselves up to the level to walk into a Challenge Cup squad as uh, in the 23 or in the starting 15. Um, so yeah, I I think it's a really good opportunity, and and you know knockout rugby creates something quite special. I think in in the kind of mentality of people who can win like that again and again and again, and and you see it in in a lot of sports that winning winning a league is very very hard, but you can afford to lose games, can't you? Winning a, a cup, you know, where you're getting risk of knocked out every day, every game, going back to back to back is almost more difficult. That's why the Champions League is the hardest thing to win in the world because you, you, you're going into knockout after knockout after knockout. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it makes sense. And I think it's a great opportunity away to Cardiff to, to do that. I think it's a good draw. You know, they, we could have been going to Racing. Uh, I'm not sure whether we could have. You know, but when you look at the other teams away to Racing or away to too long, then, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the perfect chance to... Um, As I say, build that resilience that I think is going to be massively needed in the next few years anyway. We need to test this squad mentally because, you know, fundamentally we've been in one Premiership semi-final uh, two years ago and and that's uh, all the kind of major, major knockout games we've had for a long time, other than, you know, some quarterfinals in Europe that um, we were never going to win anyway. So, yeah, massive opportunity to do that, I think.
0: I think, I mean, that's a really good point, actually. And the final thing I'll say before we move on is you, you actually forget how young, you know, quite a lot of our squad is. The, the, the effect of the salary cap going down over the last couple of years is you're starting to see um, some of our big money players who also happen to be quite seasoned veterans move on. So, De Klerk, who was in his age 30 season, Lou Diaga, who I think was age 29 season, um, you, know, you know, they've gone... Um, you know, Simon Hammersley, age twenty nine, he's he's gone, and all of a sudden, you know, Joe. I'm just going to reel off a list of players who started this game who were under twenty five: Joe Carpenter, uh, Aaron Reed, uh, Gus Wall, Bevan Rod, Ewan Ashman, James Harper, uh, Ben Curry. You know, that's seven out of fifteen who are. Uh, yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? When you remember that Ben Curry's still only uh, twenty four. I think they are now. Something ridiculous, um given that they've already played like one hundred and fifty games a piece for for sale, but anyway you know that that's seven out of your starting fifteen who are twenty five or under in fact I think all of them might actually be twenty four and under um and to your point Alex, it's a really good opportunity to just just develop more big match experience for a team that is is young and is actually get year over year getting uh, getting younger as we start to see some of the more experienced players um age out you know Tuolangi is is what 30 31 now is likely to go to Japan after the world cup he goes and he's replaced by Tom Curtis who's 21 you know so it's a really interesting dynamic we've got here and actually it's a really good opportunity to get very valuable experience for um you know some of our Players who were envisioning playing for the club for five, ten years. Um, but before we get into knockout European rugby, we have the Premiership to get back to. And, and I guess, James, just to kind of set the scene before we have a quick chat about this uh, this upcoming Bath game. Um, you know, what, what have you made of Bath season so far?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like I am going to be repeating the Ulster review or preview from last week, really. So they only won one in their last eleven in all competitions, which kind of goes against the grain when you're reading all the stuff about them and their players in the press and things like that, right? So why wow, aren't Lawrence and Ted Hill in the uh, in, in England's squad, etc.? Well, they've won one in the in the last eleven, so not many in their squad that can claim, you know, great form, I suppose. But there is no doubt that in my view, they are certainly much stronger than last season where they were basically getting pumped every single game. Um, you know, they get they get the last 11, the, most of those games have been a lot closer and they were able to get on a run in, in advance of that. They've got better players than they had. I think they're probably just confidence away from being super competitive, more at the right end of the table. But as it stands right now, you know, they sit just above their historic rivals, Bristol at the bottom of the league table. Uh, no relegation saved them last year might need to save them again this year who knows Um, so yeah my view of of Bath season is not great really in this in the historical context it's not great compared to last year oh wow I mean it must feel like they're winning the premiership Um, and certainly you feel that they're more on the right track you know they've got um, Ben Spencer as captain now he sets the tone for them he's been an extraordinary player in the premiership level for a long time very very unlucky not to play more for England you know he's moved to Bath, kind of at like the wrong time in his career. Um, very unfortunate, you know that that Saracens got relegated, um, and then he decided to move to Bath, and then you know Bath have just suddenly decided to be rubbish. Um, so you know I feel that if he had maybe gone nearly anywhere else, he would have been he would have been all right. Um, and then they've got people like Tom Dunn. Obviously, Ted Hill and I, Lawrence, we we, we talked about, we sort of set the tone for them. And, you know, Miles Reid, you know, they've got some really, really good players. But I think they're still lacking some front five monsters. Dave Atwood's at the end of his career. Charlie Yules is still out at the moment. Um, so, you know, they really are. Ben Urbano is basically injured permanently. So, you know, they've got a route to having a, a strong front five. but. With injuries and bands and form, they just don't have that. And so, even with the new coach, you know, they haven't, I think, got enough dog up front, especially at this time of the year. And look, the wreck's going to be an absolute shambles, isn't it? I mean, I think they had to call the game off from the wreck. Uh, in, in, if it wasn't this week, it was definitely the last two weeks. It's always a shambles um, at this time of year. Great from a traditional rugby uh, perspective. Like when you look at Kingshome, At this time of year, now you go. This is not right. There's something still very, very wrong about watching our Gloucester game at home on the four G (laughs) fit pitches. You know, you're like, "Mm, this is not. This is not watching Gloucester. This is not right. We want a mud bath is what we want, and that's what we're going to get at bath this this time round. Two sort of um, things of sale interest: Valerie Morozov, Cameron Redpath is also back from injury, so it'll be really interesting to see how they both get on against. Their old club. Um, other than that, I mean, Lewis. I mean, what's your view of Bath, and what does Sale need to to think about a week on from the Ulster loss to make sure we get over the line?
0: Well, my my view of Bath is that they should have been relegated a year ago, um, and actually, if there was any justice in the world, uh, they wouldn't have um, been building a squad based on the ex buster players. I I think they've done quite well to pick up Ted Hill, Ollie Lawrence, even Val Morozov, seasoned premiership campaigner, you know, with, with, what, 50 games under his belt. I think they've they've been very smart, and I think it obviously speaks to the fact that they are coming from quite a low point that they've been able to um, pick up some of those players. And you can see a bit of a blueprint for success from them coming forward um, off the back of that. However, like, this BAF team has been pretty poor for the last couple of years, and, um, I, I've always kind of been of the mindset that like a team like Bath is is a really good example of why you should have relegation. And I'm going on a bit off tangent here, but but bear with me. You know, this Bath team hasn't been good for for a couple of years. Like you said, they were safe from relegation last year, and actually now because another club has gone bust, they've been able to pick up some of their you know best young talents and, and there's now a pathway for them to come back. So from that aspect, it does leave a bit of a, a sour taste in the mouth. You know, you look at you know, the trotting out Orlando Bailey at fly half and you, you kind of think, well, you know, that's, that's an okay premiership player at this point, but, you know, is, is that necessarily going to kind of propel you forward? So this is a... a Like I said, in my opinion, a pretty poor bath team that that will be better over the next couple of years, and it's a team that actually in the last couple of years we've done a really good job of just putting away, right? We've we're we're better on paper, you know. We're better um, in practice, you know. And and you know the results over the past couple of years have shown that. And I think, again, the the problem we have at the moment is that injury list of ours is really starting to creep up. Losing Dan Dupree for such a long time has had a bigger impact than I think quite a lot of us anticipated. You know, we're, we're potentially going to be without our starting, uh, you know, props again. You know, you look up and down, there's still no George Ford. Um, and, and Rob Dupree's got a lot of minutes on his body now. You know, he's basically played every game this season. And so I think, you know, a year ago, two years ago, this. This Bath team, I think we still would have had enough to roll over them. But I think now you're just starting to see them, even if the results haven't quite been there yet, that they are a team that's slowly on the way back up, rightly or wrongly. And actually, we need to be really careful that uh, that we're able to put them away convincingly because this is a bit of a banana skin game for us. I think from a selection point of view, our hands are tied a little bit. Um, I don't really think there's much you can do to change the team. I'd stick with Gus War uh, at scrum half, which I think he might be the only real selection call, especially given the Rafi didn't have a great game last week. Um, but yeah, we've got to be careful. You know, you know this is this is a this is a, a Bath team that has probably got a bit of an eye on us to say, you know, there, there's a chance here in, in in a way that there hasn't been for a couple of years when they've been coming up to the AJ Bell to visit us. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this one because we could go out there, put 30 points on them, win by 25, um, and, you know, we're right back on track. But, but I just think, you know, a couple of really bruising encounters, losing to Toulouse, losing to Ulster we're a bit banged up. This BAF team, you know, have, has a little bit about them. Yeah, I, I, I think we can be a little bit worried um, especially if you know it turns out Mike Forshaw was the glue that was holding the defense together because there's that that wrinkle to it as well. The first game without without Mike Forshaw as defense coach, so I'm a little bit nervous. But Alex, maybe you can you can sort of talk me. Talk, yeah, talk I think me off the think it's it's a tough game. Don't get
2: me wrong; it's not a walkover, is it? But I do think A we're in a much better place than Bath, and um, B. We're at home and we're, we're, we're going to be looking for a big reaction after that Ulster game. And we know that we can give everything in this game because we've got two weeks off afterwards. So it's a real, you know, it's a real one to target. It's a, There's a really good justification for going at it really, really hard um, and and not kind of, you know, not leaving anything out there, but also knowing that we're going into two weeks off and, and the boys are going to be as frustrated as anyone if they go into that with a loss to Bath. Um it's a massive opportunity to kind of cement uh, our place in the league in, in second. Obviously, with um, people will get the chance to catch us up a bit, but on Friday night, you know, we could be stretching out even further ahead. And I think that gap to Quinn's now is twelve already. Is it? Is that right? Um, or is it eight? Anyway, you know, we're making it into a really sizable gap between second and third. Um, so, I think. You can be confident about it without kind of being arrogant about it, can't you? I think that's what we have to be. We have to look, you know, we are gonna, we are good enough to to beat this Bath side, even with the injuries we've got. We've still got a, a load of high quality players. I mean, uh, we haven't really talked about it, but Ben Curry is absolutely outstanding generally, but he's in outstanding form at the moment as well. I mean, the passion when he scored that try is. Uh, on Saturday, which is brilliant. So, you know, we've still got like world-class players in a lot of positions. We've still got, and I think Manu gets a lot of grief for not being brilliant every game, but I still think he's been really, really solid and, and offered us something at 12 that when he's gone, we miss massively.
0: And actually, just on Manu as well, I've been meaning to this for a couple of weeks, but how good to actually see him get a consistent run of games. This must be the, the most games he's played consecutively for, what, a decade? Yeah, you'd have to think at so. This point. Mean,
2: you've clearly just jinxed it, haven't you? So he's going to get injured in the bath game, you're obviously full, fool. But um, <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, and he's just, he's playing every week. He's been managed really well. I mean, probably no coincidence that, um it's been through a period when there's no England games and you know, he's able to not be really taken off the Twicken and battered and bruised into a role that he's not really fully suited for. But you are right, and and I think he's quietly been very, very effective and, and won't get he doesn't get any credit because he's not doing the, the man who boshing people over like he used to. Well the bloke's thirty thirty one. He's not gonna he's not gonna have the pace that he used to have. And he's still massively physical, but he's not been you know, these things fall off. He's not, he's not 23 anymore. And I think people just, because he's not played that much rugby in his career, cumulatively, people still think he's going to be able to do what he could do five, ten years ago when he was really explosive. And, you know, people change as they get older. And, and what Manu brings to our squad isn't, yes, he's a really impactful ball carrier, but... What he brings to the squad isn't, you know, isn't what he was doing ten years ago. It's about the leadership. It's about the experience. It's about the energy he brings. You know, I, I think there's a there's a lot of different roles that he he feeds into our squad that don't get appreciated by people. But um, yeah, coming back to coming back to the Bath game, I think it's um, it's one of those that I think we'll have to put a great performance in to win it. But I do believe we can do that. Where we are now, I think that's fully achievable. So, um, if we do that, then we'll go into a two-week break on a real high. Um, yeah, Bath are dangerous, but coming up to the AJ Bell on a Friday night isn't easy. Let, let's not forget, you know, this is the equivalent of us going to Ulster. Ulster weren't a team in form. They were, you know, missing a few players. They were struggling and they still turned us over. So, it's it almost feels like the reverse of that, I think. You know, it's, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience for Bath, hopefully.
0: So with that all being said, let's do some predictions. So, uh, Alex, I'll throw it back to you. You know, what what, what do you anticipate um, I for think uh, be a Friday a bit comfortable, game?
2: You know, I think we're going to win twenty five ten. I I think there's going to be a bit of a reaction from from the weekend, and yeah, I might regret that, but I I, I do. It, it sort of almost goes against my better nature because I think Bath are going to bring a lot of you know good qualities, but I just think we've got. We've got it enough to match them and beat them.
0: And James, what about yourself?
1: Well, um, as I said on the message to you guys, don't know I was banging on about the wreck Um, being at home. I think, I think we'll win, but I think it's going to be quite scrappy. Um, I think it's going to be like nineteen sixteen or something like that. I think. um, you know, we're we're gonna be getting some baton and bruised bodies over the line, the likes of Jean Luc Dupreer asking him to go again after everything he's given over the last few weeks. People like Gus War, he's everything's bandaged on him, but we'll send it back out again. I think, yeah, nineteen sixteen to sale will just scrape over the line.
0: I think it'll be a mix of the both. I think I think it'll be a really scrappy game and I think we'll win by about twenty points, even after everything I've just said about Bath uh be, being a little bit dangerous so i'm going sel 30 bath 10 i think friday night at the aj bell is is difficult to um overcome but i think it'll be it'll be scrappy and i think bath will hang in there with us for 60 65 minutes and then we'll be able to to pull away at the end Um, so that's the podcast this week hopefully leaving things on a more positive note than when we started and as we return back to Premiership Rugby I want to say a massive thank you to everyone uh, for listening to the podcast Um, I hope everyone had a fantastic time in Belfast it looked uh, absolutely mega over there Um, and thank you very much to Alex and James for joining me so before we say goodbye for another week Alex, James, anything else on your list before we drop off?
1: Just another shout out for Coldy uh, I've just been saying I need to start prepping their stadium plans for next year because maybe a you know uh, I don't know st- stadium share with Everton or Liverpool or Tranmere something like that because you know Premiership's on its way for Coldy. fantastic win away from home at Nottingham um, Sale FC came a bit of a cropper at home against Cambridge have done the double over Sale so that that makes the route to promotion really tough for Sale FC It's still possible of course. But they're reliant on, you know, other people now losing, which is never where you want to be. Um, and then a shout out to Cersei Park Field, who, who topped the table in in in, in um, National League two. So, you know, we can the big picture is still that Northwest West in good in pretty good shape.
2: Yeah, and to add to that, um shots women beating was twenty five nil on the weekend as well. Both games moved to Carrington, unfortunately. So hopefully if anyone read my tweet saying get down table to Hayward Road Hopefully they don't saw my retweet of both games going to Carrington because of the pitch. Um, but yeah, a, a good result for them, and, and yeah, really the uh, the main positive for sale fans from this weekend. So um, continuing to prove the RFU wrong, I won't stop going on about it. Um, but yeah, should should be in the league next season, really, because um, we appear to be a really solid side here, improving every year. But you know, why why let that get in the way of a good old geographical bias anyway? Um, keep keep going and uh, hopefully next week sees an equally good set of results uh, for North West Rugby with the uh, Sales Sharks managing to get the
3: win too. Hello, it's Dean Steiger with the Sales Sharks Supporters Club here. Just want to bring to your attention a couple of events we're running in the near future. On Wednesday, the 1st of February, we're holding a Meet the Players night at Hayward Road in Sale. The bar will open at 7 o'clock for a 7.30 start. Please come along and meet Lauren Delaney, Vicky E. Irwin, Laura Perrin and Rachel Taylor. It's free for members of Shark Supporters Club and £7 if you're a non-member. should be a fun evening. Ask them lots of questions and there will be autograph sessions as well. And on Saturday the 18th of February we're running a bus to the Northampton Saints game. £30 return for uh, members of Sales Shark Supporters Club, £37 if you're not a member. Tickets for the game are available from the Northampton Saints website, but full details for both events can be found on our website, which is salesupporters.co.uk. So hopefully see lots of you there at both of the events.